Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. 
Finishing tonight with our divisional matchup series, and we sit here comfortably again, as I say, on June 7th, prognosticating what's going to happen in these games that don't begin till week seven in the division at all. Uh, the Steelers games are, which weeks are they? I know there's one that's late, week 13 or something. And I don't remember when the first Steelers game is, whether that's week seven or that's a later game. But in either case, they're, they're, they won't happen for uh, five or six months at a minimum. And uh, we're still willing to look at what the rosters are now and try and see some of these matchup differences and, and uh, try to focus maybe on some of the things that are different and maybe also some of the things that have worked in the past uh, that, that, that might be the same. Joining me for tonight's discussion, Jason Smith. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well. It's the weeks 13 and 18, and then we play them sandwiched in between the Browns the first time. So uh, can't look past that matchup and that, that stretch, the very important stretch of the season for us. Yeah, absolutely critical to, to have some success in that three-game stretch, that's for sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, Steelers, the, these teams know each other well, and yet there's a lot of changes, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. It really is, and the biggest unknown to me is the Steelers' offense out of all the units in the in the division. If you look at offense and defensive side, the Bengals, Browns, Steelers, uh, and even the Ravens, uh, the biggest unknown to me is the new offensive coordinator, Ben's health. There's a lot of unknowns on that side of the ball, the offense for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, Matt Canada completely new. It, it seems funny that we're saying this about Roethlisberger, who missed time, obviously, you know, missed a lot of time two years ago and, and, and was, uh, had came back from a shoulder injury last year, did not look like he had all the strength at shoulder elbow and did not look like he had all the strength there. Uh, the Steelers guy who was on Alex Cazora's, it points to his knees as being an even bigger problem uh, than the elbow this last season. Yes, he said arthritic. Which is a, 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 a you know an alarm goes off when I hear that because that's yeah. not getting any better. Um, so you can you can reconstruct the arm and and uh, replace it and have it be as strong as it ever was. But uh, arthritic knees that's definitely going to be a, a a concern. And then you know there was word coming out of there that they want to bend under center more, which makes. Um, the knees a tougher situation obviously if you have to drop back turn your back to the line of scrimmage and get reset so a lot of unknown on that side of the ball and it'll be interesting to see how they change their offense because I don't think what they did last year was very sustainable and it eventually caught up to them yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. They, they they went to it out of necessity against the Ravens, who were beating the crap out of them up front. And, you know, they went to a spread offense with, I, I said, I think, 10 personnel during the show with the, the Steelers guy, but it's not 10 personnel, it's 01 personnel, which means a tight end and four wide receivers. So they didn't even have a running back that they were playing in that second half coming back for most of that second half comeback against the Ravens. And I called it flag football. It was just the best way I could <laughs> tell to describe it. Tell the kids to go out five yards and turn around and look for the quarterback. I mean, that's pretty much what they were doing. And yeah. um, it was a, a dis disappointing game to go to. I knew you were at that game, too. Mm -hmm. I was blessed enough to be there. And, um, you know, it just felt like a game that we were in such control of. Uh, just running the ball. We ran 47 times for 268 yards against a team that's very good against the run. So when you're having that kind of success against a team that stops the run it it felt like we were in control of that game until until we weren't until they threw three yard passes yeah they, they definitely threw a lot of short passes a lot of five to seven eight yard passes on those two scoring drives in the second half that brought them back uh you know the ravens were forced against the four receiver sets 
to come up with ways to stop that. They were a slot corner short. They had Terrell Bonds on the field. He had a three for three in, in completions allowed. It wasn't that much. It was 20 yards, but he also had a pass interference call uh, flag against him that, uh, that was significant. So uh, they certainly took what the Ravens gave them. The Ravens didn't give them a lot, but it was enough. And uh, the other thing about that I didn't like about that game was the way the Steelers managed to keep the Ravens off the field and get their defense a little better rested with those long drives in the second half. It's very true. And uh, maybe we'll talk about later how, how many snaps the big guys up front play for the Steelers, but uh, that really helped them get rested. And um, all that success that we had specifically in the first half seemed to disappear. Like you said, because we really didn't have the ball a lot. And it was uh, it was truly an extension of the running game for the Steelers. They couldn't run the ball, so they went to the short passing game. The receivers actually caught the ball. I thought that game. I'm uh, not remembering a lot of drops. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a, a a scary group of receivers, and obviously they've they had some key fumbles against the Ravens last year. Particularly, you know, Juju had his had his problems fumbling the the big overtime fumble. I guess it was for him, uh, but they I believe they might have had two fumbles in that game that both went out of bounds in the game in Baltimore. I can't remember whether that's true or not. Maybe one by Humphrey or, or, or one by Humphrey, one by um, might have been Peters. Uh, but anyway, it was it, uh, the kind of game that, that, that really kind of sticks with you and bothering. If the, if the Ravens hadn't made the playoffs, that would be the kind of thing that would really bother you. And as it was, you know, the Ravens would have still been in the hunt to the very end to win the division if they'd won that ball game. That's true. And we had our own fumble, um, I believe, when we were in, in the red zone down there and the ball bounced their way. Um, so it was a frustrating game. It really was. So uh, one thing you know about the Steelers, no matter how good or bad or how uh, inactive with due to COVID the team is, the game's going to be pretty close. It usually has been. Yeah, they, they certainly they've had those. We, we always think of the games being close. And I think if Steelers fans have a little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder about some of the big blowout losses the Ravens have administered to them. But the Ravens have taken a few, too, over the years. The 37 to nothing loss in 1997 and the, the 38 to 7 blowout on Monday night in 2007. But then the Ravens have the 27 to nothing nine sack game at home. And they have the 35 to 7 game where all the Hall of Famers played at the about the highest level they ever had uh, in the same game. They, so there's. There's been some certainly on both sides, and and more recently the Ravens have have uh, you know I think been a little more effective uh, in this rivalry, but. It's the Steelers, and that's the reason why we have this as the last show, even though they may not be the best team in the division other than the Ravens this year. Um, you know, the Browns look like they could very well be the class of the division. But uh, everybody really waits for that Steelers game as the biggest rivalry of the year. And um, they make me nervous. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just history. Maybe some some mental scars there. But as far as how we match up against the other teams in the division, I, I was very confident against the Bengals more confident than most against the Browns. But I look at the Steelers team as a team that could give us trouble. If they play their A game and we're not on our A game, I think that this is a team that we could struggle with um, for quarters at a time. So we're, we're going to have to be on our game. We cannot take them lightly and under any circumstances. This is a game maybe for advanced scouting to give the Ravens what they need. I mean, they usually advance scout for four games. And with a new offensive coordinator and the Ravens not playing them until week 13 or week 12, week 13, whenever it is, late in the season, there'll be plenty of tape of what Matt Canada wants to do. It won't necessarily be against the Ravens' defense. So, you know, they, they all teams – 
try some different things, obviously based on the scheme that the other team presents them. But the Ravens really, because they are strong and weak in such extreme measures, they're built so extremely from a back to front method. I think other teams may, you know, look at that and say, you know what, we can't play our regular offense this week. We got to go to this. And it's it's to the Ravens' advantage that we can attack on defense, literally attack where other teams react. Um, we could very well put together a game plan that the Steelers hadn't seen up until we play them in Week 13, and that's to our advantage. You know, you, know, you mentioned I'm even interested in the Steelers' preseason games. Like I'm sure I'll watch at least one, maybe where if they play their starters more, or even if they don't, just to try to get some clues on how this offense is going to look. Because Matt Canada has been in the game. I mean, I, I made a note, and I don't know if Wikipedia is is always correct, but it said he got a job while he was a sophomore in college with the team. So he was 20 years old uh, coaching for Indiana. Maybe he was just the water boy or, or whatever, but he stepped right in as a graduate. As soon as he graduated, a graduate assistant. And that was way back in 94, I think. I don't have the year. Yes, he started officially coaching in 94. So he's, he's still kind of a young man, but he's been in the game since 1992. Um, and he's he's coached at all power five major colleges and just came to the Steelers last year. So if you look at his offenses, um, I took a look at when he was at uh, Clemson or when he played Clemson um, against Pitt. Uh, there was also a game when he was at LSU and he also coached at Maryland. And those offenses all looked a little different. Like maybe it was a, above my uh, pay grade to really break it down. But he, it seemed like he used the personnel that was there. And I, I really couldn't find too much of a common theme. I did see a lot of motion. He, he used a lot of motion, which is something I don't think the Steelers did against us last year. And um, it was a lot of under center play. Right. It's, it's interesting because it's it's something that um, <laughs> when the when the when somebody can come in and impose their offensive system on the rest of the league, as Greg Roman has the last couple of years with the correct personnel, that's very impressive. But on the other hand, and, and especially in his case where it's where it's really different than the trends of the league overall, I think that's that's very impressive. But it's even more impressive probably to do uh, what he did at, at major college programs where he used whatever they had and created a scheme around those players and did it. And, and, and the great ones, they can always adapt to who they have. So the Steelers have their strength is obviously their wide receiver group. They have a strong, uh, a strong running back. I, I mean, I believe that it's one of the easiest positions to uh, translate to the NFL to predict how players are going to do. Um, and Najee Harris is, is going to do quite well in the NFL. But, of course, the running backs are dependent on what's in front of them. So that uh, is a big question mark for the Steelers. They may want to run the ball, but can they run the ball with all the new pieces on the O-line? DeCastro being really the uh, steadying force at right guard there. Yeah, uh, you know, it's they don't have a, they don't have a lot of uh, great run blocking uh, talent there. DeCastro is older now too, isn't he? Uh, he's been in the league about ten years at this point. I thought I saw thirty thirty one because I wanted to look that up myself. Yeah, I'll uh, look it up. Two thousand twelve to twenty. So this is his tenth year in the league, and let me just confirm what his age is right now. I want to say he played age thirty last year. Oh uh, no! Okay, there we go. Uh, yeah, he's thirty-one and a half right now. So he will not quit. He will his his football age this year, which usually goes by the twelve thirty-one age, uh, will be thirty-one. So he won't won't turn it until the playoffs. And it, it, you know he hasn't had a um, he's maintained his Pro Bowl streak. 
of six straight now. Uh, he hasn't been all pro since 2017. Uh, Probably still an okay player, but the but the uh, not the player certainly that he once was. No, I don't think so, and I think Steelers really did themselves a disservice by not slowly incorporating more players into that line because it seemed like for geez a handful of years you could you knew who was going to be on that Steelers line, and they were all very good. But um, you know you need to replenish, and I think the Steelers just kind of waited till the last minute. I think, quite frankly, they're doing that at quarterback, too. It would be nice to have someone there that uh, where Ben didn't – they didn't have to pin all their hopes on Ben being healthy. Um, and with their defense, you know, for them, I would worry that we're good enough where we're not going to bottom out. We're not going to have a top-10 pick, a top-5 pick. Um, so they're in a precarious position. I, I think they want to compete every year. But mm-hmm. um, the running game is, is going to be very important to them because, like I said, that the quick passing game being an extension of the run seemed to run its course last year. So big new additions on the team. Obviously, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, is a guy that they probably think they can incorporate right away, at least at some level. They still have Eric Ebron around. Um, don't know if that might mean more 12 personnel looks or it might mean they continue to go with one tight end on a, on a high percentage of plays. Yeah, Fryermuth, I think, is a, is a good addition for them. I kind of like that pick. Um, I think I had it written down. It was a second-round pick, right? Uh, second round pick, yes. So yeah, I, I didn't, I I didn't dislike that pick because I think Fryermuth was a uh, a do it all tight end who can help them in the passing game, but also ha- also have them uh, disguise some packages. You don't know whether he's going to line out, uh, flex out, or whether he's going to be in line. He has the capability, I think, to do both. So the Ravens are going to have a uh, could have a tough time. And I noticed that Canada actually ran some shovel passes, some a little motion with a shovel pass, and I. I was thinking that would be Friar Muths if they incorporated that. Probably his job. We took it like a like a jet toss kind of kind of like look uh, like what the what the Chiefs scored on us last year at the goal okay. line, where they kind of put him in motion, snap while he's in motion, and they have all this going on, and it's just a shovel pass like somewhere around the center guard area. Okay, but, but it's but but he moving towards the line of scrimmage as soon as the ball is snapped, and not crossing the quarterback after the ball is snapped and looking for the jet toss. No, yes, not a not a jet toss, yes. Okay. But I noticed some of those shovel passes, and he's just a physical player. I think that he'll play well with Najee Harris. They're, it seemed like they're they're making a statement that we want to get more physical. But it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great philosophy. But like you said, their their line are below average run defenders, pretty much across the board. Um, you know, DeCastro being the steadying force there. Right, we'll see. Uh, Okafor, Okorafor, sorry, is the guy I would question whether he's going to be okay at left tackle. They're moving him that 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 is a it's a potential square peg round hole situation. We'll see how good that works out. Zach Banner going in at, at right tackle. I think he's more prototypical of that spot. When the, the Ravens played uh, the Steelers, was it two years ago, I think now? It might have been 2019 or it might have been 2018. Or, sorry, it might have been 2020. I, I forget which. Uh, Zach Banner was used as a sixth offensive lineman. They ran the ball very effectively when they put him in the game. I mean, a, a very high yards per carry. It might have been six, seven, eight yards per carry uh, when he 
he was in there. So I think he'll be okay at right tackle. I, I think the, the guy that I think is is the biggest question mark of all is Okora Four moving over to left tackle. Yeah, see, and he was a right tackle last year. Um, definitely a tough switch. Um, not sure. I should, probably should have done my homework to see if he played left tackle in college. Most of these guys seems oh, most like of they them did. did. Yeah, yeah, most of them did. So I'm I'm assuming it's not completely foreign to him. But uh, but yes, that left edge um, or their left side of their line uh, with him and Kevin Dotson, who played pretty well uh, last year, but uh, still pretty much an unproven player. That's where the Ravens can bring pressure. That's where Calais Campbell likes to lurk over there by the left guard. Um, and then you'll have Oway and McPhee, of course, just extra physical uh, rush end. So um, the pressure from that end, the pressure from that side, and maybe making them strictly a right-handed rushing team should play into our uh, should play into our favor. Yeah, um, you certainly hope so. So let's talk a little bit of Najee Harris here because uh, the Steelers' run game maligned by their own fans, obviously. Uh, Connor is no longer there, but they still have Harris now as the number one back. I suspect he's going to get um, A-list snap count numbers. Yes. You know, they, they're really going to expect him as a first-round uh, pick. They're going to really expect him to carry a, a you know a 60% burden or so. But they have Benny Snell and McFarlane uh, behind him. So they have guys who with a little bit of NFL experience, at least, who could still take a significant number of carries. I want to see how many Snell played last year. I actually think, uh, while you're looking that up, I actually think – Najee Harris is is going to get the Le'Veon Bell treatment. I mean, I, I see if you know, I could see him have a 300 carry season. Them saying, "Hey, we we picked this guy the first round. We're going to use him. We want him to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's built like you know, he's 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 built for it. He can uh, be a third down back. He has nice uh, hands to catch out of the backfield. So I think that they're really really going to really run the tires off of Najee Harris. If I had to take a guess. Yeah, I would agree. And I think in today's NFL, there's really no reason not to do that with a with a running back that you pick in any round, honestly, but certainly in the in the first round. If you can expect expend all that draft capital, get what you can out of that play in the first four years. Probably don't take the fifth year option, but you could do it and then and then let him walk. It's the only position that I would really um, say letting a, a player graduate seems to be optimal. Yes, I mean, there are some exceptions, uh, you know, like with Gus, who has low wear and tear, and you give him a nice little extension. But for the most part, that does seem like the plan. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, teams stay away from running backs in the first round. I mean, it. Right. I know us as uh, Ravens fans, we were we were happy when on your pod when they when we finally saw Harris come off the board. Um, yes. I do I do like the philosophy of Pittsburgh uh, as far as just from the identity standpoint because they had strayed so far away from the run to where it was like it just was was less than an afterthought. They they were going to pass the ball, they were going to throw the ball, and you have a quarterback that's uh, you know had to get the ball rid of the ball faster than any quarterback in the NFL last year. It really limited the offense. They need to get something out of this running game if they're going to be a playoff contender. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They, they they do. And the guys there were not doing it. Snell played 26% of the snaps last year, by the way. He had 111 carries, by the way. That's a that's a mm -hmm. higher number 
than I would have guessed. That's not an insignificant number by any stretch. Me too. 3.3 yards per attempt. And here's where it's even worse. And and it's only 14 targets, but three point sorry, 4.4 yards per target as a receiving threat. So it's, it's not a guy. He's, he didn't provide them much last year um, as either a runner or receiver. And I know a lot of people are going to blame the offensive line, but uh, that's very little production as a receiver as well. Those uh, receiving numbers sound like desperation dump offs to me, yep. and not and not screen passes. It's it's it's, it's you know it's impossible. You can scheme uh, running back to flank outside and beat an outside linebacker to the uh, to the edge, and in, in at least if uh, at least get three or four yards, even if it's a good linebacker. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's surprising that he had a hundred and hundred and whatever it was carries. I didn't really see that from him, but Connor, I mean, I guess they knew what they had with Connor and tried to preserve him because he wasn't the most, most durable player either. There you go. There you go. Um, you know, Najee Harris came out rated as, I forget exactly where he was, might've been 10, between 10 and 15 among all NFL running backs in a recent uh, PFF article by Sam Monson. And you know, we, we went over that a little bit on another show, but how do you feel about that as a relatively predictable projection to the NFL level? 14th? I, 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 do you know where in it was? The team? No, I don't. I just remember the Dobbins. Right I, I remember the Dobbins being 26th on his list and, and that causing the uproar. And rightly so. I mean, it's just one man's opinion, so it's not uh, their stat related. But still, um, Najee Harris, I would say I could safely put him in the in the top 20. I'd have to I'd have to really look and comb through. But it's not like a receiver, a safety or a linebacker um, where you, you really the projection is tough. I think. I think running backs, for the most part, are the easiest to project. They can have year one success. Um, if the scheme is anything like what he's used to in college, I'm not sure how that's going to match up. That should help. But, um, again, all this is dependent – the success of it is dependent on the line. Like, I'll, I'll trust Najee Harris to get that extra yard or two that another back won't get. But uh, where is where is he being met? Is he being met behind the line of scrimmage, or are they sure. blocking it for three or four yards? But uh, overall, to have a physical back, it would be nice for them if he can just keep the offense on schedule. Like he doesn't have to break. If he can just turn a two-yard run into a five-yard run or a, a yard for no, a no gain into a three-yard run, that would be what they would uh, benefit most from from Harris. Well, that, what you're talking about there is is exactly what the Ravens excel at. And if Harris had the Ravens scheme, not necessarily even the line, although I think the Ravens line is much improved this year, if he had the Ravens scheme of getting runners to level two for first contact, and right. the success they have doing that, you know, he's going to be much better at yards after contact when that first contact comes in level two. And for those who don't know, we'll, we'll just go through this real quickly. But uh, players on the defensive line, first of all, they rarely miss tackles. But second of all, they slow people down like nobody's business. And you're in the middle and they give second hit opportunities for a lot of players, which helps their missed tackle rates not look as bad. Linebackers, that's where you earn your money is on your on your missed tackle rate. The Ravens, unfortunately, 
had pretty high missed tackle rates from, from Board and Queen this last year. But most, you know, the good NFL linebackers are still in the 9 to 13%, eh, maybe not quite that high, 9 to 12% range of missed tackles. Uh, it, it's still very common. Um, if, if, and the best ones are better than that. But, but I'm, I'm going to say, look, a, a good set would be in that middle. Well, Najee Harris is going to increase that percentage of missed tackles. And then if you look at the third group, the safeties, uh, it's not infrequent to see people in the high teens and low 20s there. Sure. It's a tougher tackle, you know, open space, yeah. I guess, the further away you get from the line of scrimmage. So that yep. should make sense to everybody. But, um, you know, the one the one reason I keep harping on the, the Steelers offensive line is if you go to the other side of that with the veterans that we have, I mean, it doesn't get more technically sound than Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell. Mm -hmm. They know what they're doing. You're talking about stacking, shedding, um, pretty much extending their arms, locking out, looking where the running back's going. I mean, there were so many instances last year where they were basically using the offensive lineman as a shield of the uh, running backs looking at that hole. Let me, let me mm -hmm. throw them over here. Let me throw them over this way. Um, so with an inexperienced, uh, maybe not so talented line is the best way to say it. Uh, that's the kind of line that if we can keep our defensive line healthy, um, we're going to give them a lot of problems up front. Again, we're looking at a matchup way late in the season. And of course the week 18 game um, of the season. So it's, it's hard to say, but if we have our vets in there, we're going to give them a hard time. Yeah, actually, with a college player, this is, I think, a really valid point you just make is that is that there's a good chance Nigel Harris isn't even playing one of those two games or both. Right. Uh, you know, if, <laughs> running backs get hurt. It happens all the time. And, and uh, you know, once a player typically gets hurt, uh, particularly running back, they have they have a tendency not to be back for the rest of the season. Maybe this is something that, you know, the, the Steelers and their roster, they can hold hold a player around for a few weeks. The deeper the roster, the less you're able to do that. Of course, the, the NFL is supposed to be coming back. I've not heard anything official yet about them coming back with three week IR this year. Right. No, I thought I thought it was official, but okay, I, I, you you would know better than me. But it makes sense to me that anything that makes the game better a better game, I mm -hmm. I, I love that. But uh, you're mentioning the injuries, and uh, I mean these guys play through being banged up too. Like Najee Harris sure. doesn't even have to be out; he can be active and you know playing through a calf strain or a, a hamstring. And you're talking about how long that rookie year is and the rookie wall where they go through all this prep and go through the draft and they're the first ones in there for rookie OTAs. And it's just a long, long process. So um, and then if if like I suspect they're going to use them and, and ride them as much as they can by week 13 and 18, there's a there's a pretty good chance um, he's going to be tested physically big time this year. Right. And uh, I, I had it wrong, by the way. Sam Monson had him at number 20. I didn't, I didn't want to bang him around too much. But uh, J.K. Dobbins at number 26. So he's projecting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is for fantasy or if it's for value or for, for quality. Clicks. Yeah, for clicks. It's for clicks. certainly for clicks. Because uh, uh, there's no way if there was a real-life football draft that Sam is going to take uh, J.K. 26. I, you know, meaning I, of, of the of the running backs, just yeah, yeah just all like, like we all had, we all get an NFL team and we you know pick a lottery and uh, mm -hmm. I don't think JK is going to be the twenty sixth running back listed on his uh, on his list. But then again, they don't they don't pick running back, so maybe he would get the uh, 32, 32nd running back. So, right, just a little PFF joke there. Sorry about that. Yes, we we now it is. <laughs> if you don't play corner, you don't play wide receiver, you don't play quarterback, you're not worth anything. Right. 
Uh, anyway, uh, good stuff there on the offense. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball because I think there's um, the Steelers, while extremely talented on the front seven, uh, they, their depth at inside linebacker to me is something of a uh, – it's almost a curse to be there because they're, they're so deep at inside linebacker that they're going to be ten, tempted, I think, to keep those guys on the field for three downs when they should be playing dime. Hmm. And they still have a lot of the same very serious questions at cornerback at in terms of uh, the quality of their guys there. Yeah, this is where the, the tone changes in my voice because this is what concerns me. And I'm kind of glad that we get this team late in the year um, because I think where we need to attack is on the outside of their – attack their cornerbacks on the outside. And that's something that we weren't able to do last year. And I think with the additions of Bateman and Watkins, it's something that we can do this year. But, it you know, sometimes that kind of thing takes time to incorporate, especially when you have a rookie, uh, Bateman, that you may be relying on. So, yes, a, a very good defensive team, I think, still. Um, that's an interesting point about their inside linebacker depth because it is a strength of theirs, I think, with Devin Bush, Vince Williams, and then Spillane played. Uh, I thought he played really well last year when I saw him. I'm not sure how, how he graded out. But, oh, yeah, uh, the pick six against the Ravens. So it's kind of hard. Yeah, right. That one. Right. I, I yeah. don't think he was that great overall. I think he did have some problems tackling, but you know, he he was a guy who's is not certainly not a bad backup. Yeah, not a bad backup. But um, if you look at it, they're they're solid up the middle, which is what you need. Um, it's a it's a it's a great tried and true philosophy when you have Tuit and uh, Cam Hayward, and then you have Devin Bush on the second level, and then Minka Fitzpatrick has has been a great player that we've had actually had some success. Um, one, but uh, overall, they're very talented up the middle. Yeah, it's it's a shame that Lamar had that huge game against Miami because that really got the got the Steelers Minka Fitzpatrick cheap. Yeah, it yeah, was that's... one of the worst games an NFL cornerbacks ever turned in. They moved him to safety, and oh well, he's great all of a sudden. That's uh, a shame, but uh, but it was a uh, uh, you know the back end has Joe Hayden uh, starting, and I think he might be in the last year of his contract now. So I, I believe that was what I said. Justin Lane uh, will be a right cornerback, and then the nickel is Cam Sutton still. Uh, Sutton wasn't terrible last year, but I still think that unit is is clearly the weakest unit on the defense. And one of the things that I would ask is, do the Ravens have an opportunity here? to do what they don't typically do with Lamar Jackson and create max protect opportunities that will isolate those corners. Well, it's a, it's a great idea. I mean, that if there's any game to do it, I think it would be this. We have the personnel, of course, that we could do it. And then, of course, you know, T.J. Watt is their main weapon. So you want to protect, protect against him uh, wrecking your game anyway. So, yes, if we can match protect, and uh, although Lamar might want or the offense may want to, in general, spread things out, let, let Lamar create and uh, attack with the short passing game, that would be a very interesting idea because Fitzpatrick can't be everywhere at once. Um, right. So, so, you know, if you, you find out where he's shaded, maybe look that way first and go isolate and go to the other side. That would be a that would be an excellent game plan, Ken. Maybe you can uh, fill in for the OC that we <laughs> yeah. sit, sit well, on the meetings. Do that. The, the, um, uh, one of the things the Steelers have done extremely well, and this doesn't necessarily work with the isolating uh, corners. Uh, sorry, the isolating. Uh, yeah. Isolating corners and, and using your wide receivers. Well, is that they, they, they split. Sorry. Shift cover 
leverages very well. And they do it when they blitz off the slot. They do it when they uh, can move a safety over to cover for an outside corner who then moves inside. So they've got lots of different little tricks they will play to, to switch coverage. And, and that led to two pick, pick sixes um, on, on throws to James Prochet in the right. year. One was by one was by Lamar and the other by uh, RG3. Yeah, those little whip routes or jerk routes, as I call them, um, that Prochet actually showed that he could he could run. It was one of his two or two of his three targets ended up yes. being interceptions. <laughs> um, very disappointing. But um, but yes, I wonder how the loss of Mike Hilton. I think that that's that's definitely mm-hmm. worth bringing up. He played a lot of cornerback for them. He's in Cincinnati, and um, what you're talking about definitely uh, need you need to be able to communicate to do that well. You have to have a good feel for each other, and I feel like Mike Hilton was an important part of uh, what you were talking about. Of them shifting coverages mm-hmm. it's just yeah, a very I, I, very versatile player and a good tackler sorry that's, that's all no I no say. i think you're you're on the money there i i uh I, I just want to talk a little bit because i always do about the possibility of playing dime on this team and and they don't have a lot of experience there now here's the thing about really finding your dime back it's not that hard every team has guys that can do this job that come to camp it's just a matter of committing to the thing and deciding one of your linebackers not going to be on the field and not to get on a soapbox every freaking time we have an episode <laughs> but when you pay two inside linebackers do so at your own freaking peril is all i've got to say because you're really committing to a lot of three down inside linebacker play uh, i don't think that's that's the optimal use of your inside linebackers i know it's not the optimal use of cap in the nfl these days definitely not and i look at antoine brooks the the player from maryland Mm -hmm. um who has some he has some free safety ability i think i mean that's a that's a very very um debatable whether a player has is a true free safety or not because there's not very many free safeties Mm -hmm. um but antoine brooks i believe can offer them flexibility and then he was a rookie last year with the whole mess 2020 was Mm -hmm. so he is a player that i would look at um to maybe allow minka to match up um not be a cornerback, but maybe Minka can match up on some bigger slots or some slots that they feel that he can handle. And then you have Terrell Edmonds, of course, who is is definitely a box safety. So maybe Brooks would uh, will be a player that'll allow them Split to play the more on the back end. Right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. he can he can offer them flexibility. Yeah, and I think I think that would be. I don't think they need flexibility. I think they need him to play half of the back end. Okay, <laughs> and I, okay. it's really just that simple. If they want to play, you know, cover two, he's he's their guy. If if they if they want to play, uh, you know, a more traditional strong safety, free safety, and only only use two, uh, then they've they've got a way to do that as well. But I would agree. Antoine Brooks lost a lot of his opportunity last year with the with what happened, obviously, and we still don't know who he is. He's a sixth round draft pick. That's right in the sweet spot of uh, that Ozzie Newsom would always find these additional safeties who would allow them to play good dime defense. Uh, you know, over the years, there have been so many of them, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it was the right price if he can help them on these highly leveraged downs. And we certainly, as Ravens fans, hope that's not going to happen. Right. I mean, it goes right to what you were talking about, how you say, you know, instead of spending on linebackers, you can get a guy yeah. like Brooks in the sixth round. And yes, I was referring more to a, you know, a cover two. let him take his half of the field. Um, you know, I think that there's a, a good possibility that they could do that. Um, 
against certain teams. The Ravens have to make themselves one of those teams, though. They have to earn that right mm -hmm. um, to be a team to say, hey, you know, we need to play dime defense because they're 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 killing us in the past game. Um, and we're going to have to rely on our big guys to to stop their run out of, uh, you know, uh, you know, 11 personnel and, and whatnot, if they can sneak dime on the field in those situations instead of just playing nickel. Um, so, yeah. That's like it, a, when you're talking about that, let's just be clear. Sure. That wouldn't be a first and 10 situation because the first and 10 situation, the Ravens would still have two inside linebackers on the field unless it's end of half or end of game with a lead. So it's one of those two situations. If it's, if it's, uh, if they're on second and 10, second and nine, second and eight, that's where you can cheat into dime early. And that's where the Ravens have been very successful at finding those places where you can get additional dime snaps on. Uh, the best way to get dime snaps, though, beat the crap out of the other opponent in the first half and play right. the entire second half. <laughs> yes, yes. And the Steelers the Steelers can do that on defense. But, um, you know, we're, we're kind of spitballing with them in the dime, but it's it's kind of hard to – you know, on one hand, it's kind of hard to see them stray away from their linebackers too much. I mean, right. they love they love Vince Williams. They brought him back. Um, I think that they trust Spillane. I think he earned their trust last year a little bit. Um, so I could see them mixing and matching with Spillane and Vince Williams to have both of them on the bench in favor of defensive backs. You know, it doesn't sound like – just doesn't sound like a Tomlin team. So right. what we think they should do or probably could do doesn't mean that they'll, they'll play a lot of time. I, I don't – I don't see a huge difference between having um, uh, Edmonds out there effectively as the weak side linebacker on a passing down with the blitz opportunities he would present versus Vince Williams. I mean, Vince Williams obviously has a little bit better chance to beat a running back. Uh, but but if you're Terrell Edmonds, you run the same way off somebody else's butt to get free on an uncontested rush. And and I would think that you know, the additional pass coverage value you get there is why I always like a safety in that situation. Your third best safety is always a better coverage asset than your second best inside linebacker. There's almost right. no exceptions to that rule in the NFL. And we scored on him. Uh, we went directly to Boykin on Vince Williams, which was just a great throw by Lamar last year um, in the end zone. And, uh, you know, basically he he made Boykin catch that ball. It was perfect, perfectly placed on him. But again, if you have a safety, like to your point, um, he's got to be better in, in coverage than uh, than a guy like Vince Williams, who's just a big, uh, effective at what he does. Um, yeah. co and coverage isn't it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it takes on on those downs it takes understanding of the rest of the field and safeties grow up learning that and linebackers it's the last of their responsibilities that they learn so it's 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 you know, it's one of these things that you really just got to accept at some point that even if I have a great linebacker, we don't need to go into this every episode because because it, all of the cap things, all of the injury risk that goes with having these three down unicorns in there. I just don't buy it. I don't like it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think dime is the way to go. I did want to talk about one other thing. If we're, if, do you have anything more to say on that, this first and then I'll bring it up? No, I um, I guess where my counterpoint would be is I don't mind drafting them. I don't mind spending a pick on a player you think that you project to play all three downs at a linebacker. But as far as paying them, I'm out. I'm, I'm okay. out on that. That's that's too much money. Uh, and do you are you okay just having one, or are you going okay on draft capital on a second? Early on, I've just one for sure. Okay. I mean, if you're talking fifth, sixth round, or 
I mean, I guess like, I'm a big fan of Harrison, you know, so I didn't mind the right. pick because I love the player. But uh, I, I would say that that would be more the definitely more the exception than the rule to me. I think you could find two down linebackers like you can find box safeties. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're out there. They're out there, and the Ravens have an incredible record of finding them through the UDFA process with, you know, Scott and McLean and Ellerby, and uh, you know, it's they a lot of their really fine, high leverage inside linebacker downs, uh, not high leverage. I won't. I don't want to say that, but a lot of their important inside linebacker play has come from undrafted players. And Bart Scott, right? Did I not say Bart Scott? He did not. Oh, Ma- wow. The mad bag. The biggest of them all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I did want to hit on one other thing before we uh, before we cut up this episode. And, and, and this is something that the Steelers are not unique in, but they do it more than most other teams is they really overwork their two monsters on the inside. Uh, two mm-hmm. and Hayward play a ton of snaps. And we were just looking at this before the show. But this is interesting um, that two at last year played 76% of the snaps, but he also missed a game. So it's really like you got to think, take away 6% of the snaps for missing one game. And then, uh, he, so 94 is the denominator. Think of it that way. And he played 76% of the snaps. So he really played 76 over 94, puts it in the 80s. The Ravens haven't had guys on the interior defensive line who played in the 80s at all. They play a very strict rotational defensive line thing. They don't, they don't have guys who play a lot of consecutive snaps, and they don't have a lot of guys who play a lot of total snaps. And I tell you what, that I, I love the fact that we don't stress our defensive linemen like that because it's such a physical position, and you're talking about big guys. I mean, these are 300-pound guys yep. that you're asking to play, like you said, about really what it comes down to. He's playing 80% plus of the snaps in every game that they're playing, 300-pound guys on the inside. Now, they're very, very effective, um, so it's tempting to play them every down, but this is a situation, like I suggested, on their offensive line where they really really need to draft someone and work them in like the Ravens have with Matabike um, and many players before them where you give them their chunk, you give them their down or their matchup that you like, and you just give them a responsibility. And there's not much drop off because um, the Steelers without Cam Hayward and to it, all of a sudden you have uh, Carlos Davis and Isaiah Bugs behind them. Right. They have uh, Tyson. Uh, Allah, I won't mess up his last name. Alulu. But yeah. Lulu on the, uh, I think it's a or something but but uh yes uh they have some big guys but not much depth so they're very top heavy on that defensive line yeah i i agree um you know cam hayward by the way same almost the same exact stats 78 percent of the snaps in 15 games so he played an even higher percentage works out to about 83 percent of the snaps that he played when you take out the one game out of the denominator uh it's just really strange to me that that they really did not think they had an alternative to doing that they they have i mean we look at where the ravens season went awry in the middle of the year where it almost got lost in the tennessee game the new england game um it it was that defensive line asking a huge number of snaps out of ellis that really was the killer and you know, you saw in those games how he got progressively ineffective as the game went on. Yes. Uh, it's, it's not, I don't blame him at all for that. And in fact, I think he can still help the Ravens as a rotational nose tackle. I just think, you know, he, he should be limited to 25 or 30 percent of the snaps, maybe, and not play 85 percent of the snaps like he did in those games. He was forced to play almost every single snap after I think it was Campbell was injured in one game and Williams in the other. 
Right. And no matter how good a shape you are, you're talking about, okay, we're playing the Ravens in week 13. We've been playing 70, 80% of the snaps every game. We're getting double teamed. We're getting pushed around. We're reaching for running backs while we're getting pancaked doing so. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a it's a physical position. Like, you have to sacrifice your body to play on the defensive line um, almost more than any other position because even these linebackers, they can prepare for the collisions and the safeties. They can prepare for the collisions they take. These, these defensive linemen are getting rolled up on or they're reaching, trying to make a play, and then next thing you know, you have have a guy like Yonda uh, driving you to the ground or Ben Cleveland coming up. So the Steelers, um, that would be, if I was a Steelers fan, I would be very, very nervous because Hayward and Tuit are the backbone of this team uh, to go along with T.J. Watt, of course. And um, when you go to Isaiah Bugs, I mean, he played last year. Carlos Davis is a is is a replacement level player, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have they don't have much behind those two guys, and they're so important to their defense. Yeah. By the way, very interesting. Um, Chris Wormley. Really, he's he's kind of a man without a position, honestly, because he, he's a better five tech than anything else. So it isn't really an ideal three tech. But, he, you know, the Ravens traded him to Pittsburgh for a fifth round pick. He ended up playing 14 percent of the snaps last year. It wasn't like he missed a ton of games. He was active for 13 games, but he only played 14 percent of the snaps. That's incredibly low. I, I was shocked by that number. You know, that that shocks me, too. I hadn't seen that because he's a guy with a veteran who you've seen Wormley play fairly well against. I mean, think about, you know, Steelers versus Bengals or or Steelers versus Browns, where they know who the offensive linemen and the personnel. I mean, you can't tell me that you couldn't have Wormley take up some slack for your guys there, give them a nice little break. And, uh, you know, sure, there'll be a drop off in the play. But what about if it's third and 10? You know, that's that's not to its best down like why is why is he why is he on the field all the time i i just uh i don't understand it but um like i said i'm lucky where i feel lucky that the ravens don't do that it seems like we're heavy into the rotation whereas the steelers and the Bengals seem like they've relied on the same guys forever to to plug up the middle yeah, very, very true. Wormley, his last two years in Baltimore, 39 and 46% of snaps. So it wasn't like he hadn't already been battle-tested with larger snap counts in Baltimore. He just, for whatever reason, the Steelers decided, we don't really want you as a, as big a part of the rotation as you were there. Yeah, thank you. Especially you trade for a guy, you know. Yeah. You would figure, you know, you want him to get – it's a resource. They could have, they could have drafted a, a rotational player who played more than fourteen percent of the snaps with a fifth round pick. Yeah, I'd love to know who the Ravens actually took with that pick. But I, I was thinking I, that. Yeah, I, I don't know who that I is. I wonder if that's the Dale and Hayes, you know, because that's who we took in the fifth round this year, or if that's uh, if we traded it, moved it around, or. I'm not. It would have been a. It, it might have been a twenty pick though, right? Because he played for the Steelers all of twenty, so I would assume they got a fifth round pick in twenty and not. A oh, okay, in twenty. Um, yeah, that's escaping me because we didn't pick in the fifth round. I don't right, think. So we might have traded up or down or whatever to to make that work, and then we lose. We kind of like dilute it. It's too bad, you know. Some of these picks, they, they like the one they acquired for Kari Vedvik. You really want to know who they picked with it. You don't want to know. Well, first of all, we traded the pick, and then we got two other picks. Right. Then, oh damn it! Why? Why did you do that? We wanted. <laughs> well, at least we have Hurst for Dobbins. At least we yeah. can figure that one out. There you go.
All right, man. Always a pleasure doing a show with you. Uh, uh, Jason, tell me where folks can find your work. Sure. It's Huddle It Up Films, and that's both on Twitter and YouTube. I could use the support on YouTube, trying to get to 1,000 subscribers so I can do more with my videos. So I'm going to plug the YouTube. But on Twitter, uh, I try to stay active and, and just you know send some good vibes out there and also some things that I'm noticing. And I love interacting with my football family. Football is family. I say that all the time. No matter where you come from, no matter... Um, how rich or poor, your religion, anything else. When we step on the field together, we're family. And I always felt that bond and um, from a very young age. And it's part of what I love about the game. You can have a, a line with a guy that like Ben. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say you can have Ben Cleveland, Alejandro Villanueva, Ronnie Stanley, Bradley Bozeman all in the same line. And they would fight to the, to the you-know-what for each other. And, and, you know, that's the players. But I thought what you're getting at, which I would also completely agree with, is we have a lot of different backgrounds we come from in Baltimore. But we can all agree that we love the Ravens. And that's we can, right. we can agree to disagree about all our different viewpoints about how the Ravens ought to be run. It's but we very can, uniting. <laughs> it's a very uniting thing, like it, it should is. be. You know what I mean? I, and I can disagree and, and maybe get mad at Ken because – I think that those inside linebackers are really valuable. And <laughs> I love those Dobbins pick and to heck with your dime defense, but no, just, just kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, football is family. I love it. And um, you know, you can learn something, something that I, I believe in life. You can learn something from a homeless man or a rich man. It really doesn't matter. Um, and the Ravens have a lot of good people who specialize in different areas, especially on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, don't be afraid of social media, sign up on Twitter. Like I did as um, in, you know, man in his, 40s signed up on twitter you can just see you don't have to argue about politics you can see your your raven stuff yep. and enjoy some really good insight from our ravens guys out there so i want to send love to to ken and to everybody else who makes it such a great community I really appreciate that. I don't know that I'm really holding my own weight in terms of doing that, but I but I do appreciate that. Um, I, I want to make sure Jason gets a gets a, a good supporting plug for his uh, YouTube channel. He's got a good uh, video out there of the times Lamar Jackson scrambled in 2020. So here's what I like about this kind of analysis. When Jason put that together, he had to clip the play out uh, from the All-22 some all 22 angle. I think you took the top view, right side. The yes, because it was okay. the passing game, so yeah. you could see all 22 guys. Okay, well, okay. The the top view is the is the one from the side, so you can see route depth really well. So you did the I, great job doing that. But the other the other thing it is is it puts all the similar plays together, so you can look at them and try and figure out what was similar about the way things broke down to cause the scramble uh, as opposed to a design run because you just you just picked out the ones you thought were scrambles and in a lot of cases it was a line breakdown in other cases it was Lamar just seeing I think there's a better opportunity for a run than there is a pass here in other at times it was really coverage that caused the thing after a long time to to uh, but it's but what's nice about it is he 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 assembled all of these clips for you so you don't have to do it. And that's what good football analysis is about. It's just a lot of hard work in the trenches, basically going down and looking at all the plays of some type. Okay, best way to start your own study, do some analysis of your own. If you're passionate about some particular thing, I really respect what Jason did on that. And it's a great it's a great watch. It's only about 10 minutes, but it really uh, it really takes you through Lamar's 2020 season. And you can see why, at least for these scramble plays, the Ravens might have wanted to rebuild the offensive line. 
Yes, well, I thank you on that. And I also have one on Bradley Bozeman and his polling against the Giants. So I don't, you know, my, my videos, I, I label them highlights because I think people search up highlights. But more, they're more like coaching type breakdowns where you can see um, th what you were talking about. Here's a common theme. Let's take a look at it and you can draw your own conclusions because, you know, people know more than they think. And they know, they notice things just like uh, the experts do. So I, I think it's important to give our, our fans um, – you know, access to all that. All right. Well, great stuff, Jason. Thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you very much, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.